This is Supernatural Breakthrough with Mike Signorelli every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, a new episode drops. So the unseen realm, ancient wisdom, and your freedom awaits in this episode. Let's jump right in. All right, so what does the Bible say about alcohol? We, we don't need a pastor's opinion. We need a pastor who's in alignment with scripture. Now, I'm gonna give you many scriptures right now because if you were to read every single scripture that talks about alcohol in the Bible, you may end up more confused than you were before watching this video right now. So I'm gonna narrate it for you and help you. The Bible says, how, how do they know unless you send a teacher? So even sometimes reading the scripture is not enough. You need someone to teach what you're reading because the Bible seems to give contradictory messages about alcohol. I'm gonna start by giving you some scriptures that give a positive perspective on alcohol. I'm gonna start with that, okay? So I want you to start with me in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse seven, that says, this is what it says, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has approved what you do. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse seven. So wait a second. It's telling you go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has approved what you do. So I guess that settles it. Okay, let's end this video and let's go eat and drink wine. Okay, wait, there's, we got to go a little bit deeper. Okay, let's look at Psalm chapter 104, verse 14. You can put these scriptures in the comments now. Psalm chapter 104, verse 14 and 15 says, you cause the grass to grow from the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth. Verse 15 says, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. So in Psalm 104, verse 14 and 15, it literally says, God, you, you give the grass, you give plants, you give livestock. And then it says, what, you, what? you give wine to gladden your heart and oil? Okay, Pastor Mike, now listen, many of you in the comments have already said, no, we should not drink. But what do you do with Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse seven? What do you do with Psalm chapter 104, verses 14 and 15? I'm gonna show you, stay for the entirety of this video. Okay, Amos chapter nine, verse 14 says, I will restore the fortunes of the, my people Israel and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and, ha and, and actually inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. Like they will do it. This is literally a future telling prophecy. Like they're, they're going to, they're going to plant vineyards. This is a prophecy and they will drink their wine and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. Whoa, whoa. What do we do with this? Okay. Last one, last one for this portion. Okay. Okay. I, yes. Isaiah chapter 55, verse one, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and, and, and milk without money and without price. What in the world? Okay, now I had to start with that because you guys watch my teachings and you tune into these videos because you know Pastor Mike is not going to have us in the shallow pool. He, he, we're not going to be in the kiddie pool. We're going to the deep end. Jump off the diving board with me. Drop in the comment right now in the comment section if you're ready to go into the deep end. Come on, tell, somebody tell me I'm diving in in the comments right now. So I just gave you 
scriptures that are speaking positively concerning drinking, specifically wine, okay? Even scriptures that said God gave it to us. What? What? <laughs> All right. Come on, I want to see in the comments right now who wants to go to the deep end of the pool with me? Who's done with the shallow end teaching? Okay, because I need you to stay with me. Don't leave this video. All right, now I'm going to give you warnings. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11. So for your notes, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11. Woe to those who rise up early in the morning. Woe. So whenever you see W-O-E, a woe, that's a warning. I'm warning you. I'm warning you, there's people who wake up early in the morning that they may run after strong drink who tarry late in the evening as wine inflames them, okay? That's a warning. Let me give you another one. Proverbs, the book of wisdom. How many of you want to be wise? Hit the like button right now if you want to be wise, okay? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So it's possible to be led astray by wine. It's, it's possible to be led astray by strong drink, okay? Let me give you another scripture. Hopefully you're staying with me. Comment with these verses in the chat so that people can get them. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 6 says this. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. So right now in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 6, you have scriptures that seem to indicate that by putting bread aside and putting, and, and putting drunkenness aside, there's a knowing God. Like there's something about knowing him, a way that we can know him, that we couldn't know him if we were eating bread and getting drunk on wine. Okay, I'm going deeper, guys. I'm going deeper. That's why you're here, because we go deep. Numbers chapter 6, verse 3. Numbers chapter 6, verse 3. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. Now, this is the Nazarite vow. Now, not all of Israel was required to make this vow. I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 10, verse 9. Drink no wine or strong drink. Now, this is not being said to everyone, but a specific faction or a group of people. For many are called, but few are chosen. So now we're going old covenant where you have the whole nation of Israel. Many are called. The whole nation of Israel is called, but few of them are chosen. And it says, do not drink wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you. This is the Nazarite vow. When you go into the tent of meeting, now we're taking it further from the Nazarite vow. Now you're talking about the priests in the temple. And it says, and it just says it like this. It says, uh, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. Can you imagine if that was the consequence? It shall be a statute forever. Come on, think about Sandlot. Remember that movie, Sandlot? Forever. <laughs> Throughout your generations. So you have the Nazarite vow. You have the, priestly, uh, you have the priestly command that strictly forbids. For many are called, but few are chosen. You have that. And it says, 
Hey, don't, don't drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting. There's something about the tent of meeting that says you're going to die if you, if, you, if you actually contradict this, okay? It shall be a statute forever through your generations. Okay, I'm getting ready to teach. I want to give one more scripture for this section. It says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29 through 35. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Like who's depressed? Who's full of sorrow? It says who has strife? Like constant quarreling, constant arguing. Who has complaining? Who has wounds all over their body without cause? Who has redness of the eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and does go down smoothly because in the end it bites like a serpent, it stings like an adder, your eyes will see strange things, your heart utter perverse things, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea like one who lies at the top of the mast. And this is what it says in verse 35. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. Okay. Now I want to break some things down at this point in the scriptures. You have scriptures that almost seem to encourage or confirm a decision to drink. Then you have scriptures that completely forbid drinking among certain groups of people within the nation of Israel, according to the old covenant. Then you have scriptures that outright give you major league warnings against drunkenness. So what do you do with all this? So here's the categories. Drink, but don't get drunk. That's category number one. Write this down in your notes. Category number one, biblically. I'm not talking about my opinion. I'm not talking about some other preacher or teacher's opinion. So category number one, write this down, is drink but don't get drunk. And this is biblical, okay? Category number two is certain people should not drink at all. That's category number two. Certain groups of people should not drink at all. And then category number three is never get drunk. (laughs) Now, why did I break it up? Because that sounds confusing. Pastor Mike, isn't number one and number three the same thing? No, it's not. Okay? It's not. And the reason why I'm saying that is because there are people that have a genetic, biological predisposition to alcoholism. I'm going to say that phrase again. There are people that have a genetic, biological predisposition to alcoholism. I know that because I used to work in an addiction recovery facility as pastoral care, and I studied the biology behind alcoholism. And there are people that should not ever drink, ever Now, does that mean that they have a demon? Does that mean that they need deliverance? Many times, yes. I'm going to say it straight up to you. Does it mean that, that they have a generational curse? Yes. Generational curses are real. 
Demons are real. I cannot tell you how many times that I have cast demons of drunkenness out of people. Now, I want to tell you this. Many times, I'm going really deep, okay? Many times people, they deceive themselves for years. I can drink and not get drunk. That's a lie. You drink to get drunk. You get drink to forget. You get drink to lower your anxiety or your fears. You get drink, come on, and you know why you bought that alcohol. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Very few people buy alcohol for the taste. Many few people buy alcohol for the medicinal Mediterranean diet. Come on, you know who you are. And what the Holy Spirit will do is he will cause you to search your heart, okay? And I ask people all the time, did you have a mother who is an alcoholic? Do you have a father who's an alcoholic? I cannot tell you how many times they say yes, okay? And there are people that can't sleep without a buzz. They can't, every single night, they are addicted. And, and here's the thing, I'm, as somebody who was in addiction counseling, I will tell you, most people, most of them said, I'm not an addict, but they met every single requirement of an addict. Now, the Bible is very clear that it is possible to drink and not get drunk. I want to go deeper now. Can I go deeper? If you're still with me and you're one of those people who said, I'm hungry to learn the word. Pastor Mike, I'm not clicking out of this video. Pastor Mike, I'm staying the entire time because God's building a foundation in me because I have greatness inside of me and I can't miss one word because I've got to get my foundation right. Okay. If you're still with me, I want to see you in the chat right now. Okay. Let me go deeper. I want to give you the historical context. In New Testament times, the water was not very clean. So 2,000 years ago, the water was not very clean. Without modern sanitation, matter of fact, I used to work in the water department uh, in my city outside of Chicago. That's a crazy side note. Decades ago, I actually worked in a water filtration plant. And most of the modern developed countries will actually treat your water. They hit it with chlorine. They hit it, they put fluoride in it for your teeth. That's a whole nother conversation. They, it, you know, they filter it out through different layers of filtration. That's how modern sanitation practices work. Now, 2000 years ago, that didn't exist. And so the wa water was often filled with bacteria 2,000 years ago, the water was filled with viruses and all kinds of contaminants. So the same is true of even third world countries. Today, I travel to countries to uh, preach the gospel that do not have, um, you know, they, they simply do not have modern filtration practices. And so as a result, people back in the day, 2,000 years ago more, they, they often drank wine because it was far less likely to be contaminated. Now, I want to help you understand this, okay? I want to take you now to another scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Paul actually instructs Timothy to stop drinking the water exclusively, which was probably causing him stomach problems, and instead drink wine. So Paul literally told Timothy, who he was raising up, hey, hey, stop exclusively drinking water and drink wine. Now, 
Timothy may have been, you know, putting the, pushing the wine aside and saying, Hey man, I don't want to, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I know that I'm free to drink wine, but I don't want them to see me drinking wine. And Paul as the apostle was telling Timothy in first Timothy chapter five, verse 23, Hey, stop exclusively drinking wine or I'm drinking water and you're going to have to drink wine because it's, it's sanitary. Okay. But I want to go deeper. Come on. Who's with me? Who's with me? I'm going deeper. Okay. Now in that day, wine was fermented containing alcohol, but not necessarily to the degree it is today. As a matter of fact, I have done deep historical studies on the fermentation process for wine going back to Jesus' times. It's very difficult to know for sure, but based on all of my studies, it was, now this is going to blow your mind. This is, this is what you get if you stay for the entire teaching. This is going to blow your mind. Most historians agree that the, that the wine that Jesus was drinking and the wine that Paul was instructing Timothy to drink would have taken 20, it would have taken 22 to 23 glasses to add up to one of our modern glasses of wine. Did you just hear what I said? When you look into the historical practices of fermentation for wine, most historians agree that one glass of a modern glass of wine is would be would have been equivalent to 23 glasses 22 to 23 glasses of wine that's that is the difference in in the alcohol content okay and so when paul's saying hey drink a little wine for your stomach's sake it was literally the equivalency of he would have had to drink over 22 to 23 glasses of that wine to equal one is that loud? Is that clear? Are we clear? <laughs> so here's the thing. When people talk about, here's, this is how, because I serve the, uh, the Holy Spirit that gets in my business. I serve the Holy Spirit that reads my mail. I serve the Holy Spirit that calls me out for the wrong motives. If you can drink and not get drunk, God bless you. But I have met very few people like that in life. Many more of them are drinking to get drunk, they're drinking to get buzzed, they're drinking to come out of their right mind, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Now this is not a message of con condemnation. I don't want anybody to hear me and say, he just told me I can't drink. I'm telling you that you cannot lie to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm saying. You and the Holy Spirit got to work that out. Because Paul, he told Timothy to drink, but he was telling him to drink something that would have taken 22 to 23 glasses to add up to one of what we're having. So you better be careful. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about something else. Why do you think that they call it spirits? I'm being straight up with you right now. In every country I've been to, they call it spirits. Hard alcohol is called spirits. Why? Because there is demonic activity connected to the consumption of alcohol that leads to drunkenness. I will tell you this. 
Stop, let, here's the, the best comparison you can do. Stop drinking alcohol and then see how, be, how much better your life gets. That's straight up. Stop drinking alcohol. Do a comparison. For those of you who are like, Pastor Mike, theologically, I'm opposed to you. Doctorally, I'm opposed to you. I have this Christian liberty. I can do, okay, cool, cool. You have it, but, but do without it and see what happens. Or here's another one. Ask your family whether or not you should stop drinking. Just straight up ask them. I'm giving you some, some ways. So number one, you yourself, give it up for a period of time. Give it up for a month and see what's different. I know this teaching has been so good, but I wanted to pause for a second because I want to connect with you. Go to MikeSignorelli.com. Tell me your story. Check out all these resources I have available for you. And would you consider financially partnering? It's because people say, I'm going to join my finances with this podcast that we're able to reach so many people around the world. And I'll tell you this, we are good soil to sow into. So I'll see you at MikeSignorelli.com. And thank you so much for your financial gift. Okay, let's jump back in. Number two, you go ask your kids. Ask your kids, should I stop drinking? Ask your, ask your family, should I, should I stop, okay? And here's the thing I want to tell you. Now, this is the part where I want to share my story. I used to be an alcoholic. I was a Christian alcoholic. I was a pastor alcoholic. I was a prophet alcoholic. I was a musician, artist, worship leader alcoholic. So ain't nobody in in the comment section of this video gonna tell me something that I haven't heard myself. I used to do theology on tap. I used to literally go over, I used to go to friends' houses and we would drink and read the Bible. And I wanna tell you this, we used to say that we had Christian liberties, but we were getting drunk while we said it. We used to tell people we could drink and not get drunk, but we were drunk while we were saying it. And all I'm trying to say is if you can do it and you're one of the 2% of people that can do it, praise God for your Christian liberty. Now, um, I want to tell you this. What's And here's the thing. I'm telling you for too many people, they are not able to do it. It, It's the equivalency of, (laughs) I'll put it like this. Everything in its rightful place, right? If you have a fireplace in your living room and you put the wood in the fireplace, it will warm you. It will comfort you. You'll you'll hear the crackling and the popping of the fire in your fireplace. But if you take that same wood and that same fire and move it two feet forward into your living room, it'll burn your entire house down. This is what drinking is like. In its proper context, man, it tastes great. It maybe even has some medicinal benefits. But you bring that thing just one or two feet outside of the jurisdiction it should be in, and it will burn your house down. Sexuality is the same way. Sexuality and the boundaries of marriage, amazing, incredibly powerful force, produces life, intimacy, bonding. You take sexuality and you put it outside the bounds of marriage, it will destroy you. You see how God works? Yes, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. I've got some more verses I want to give you. If you're being blessed by this teaching, if this teaching is helping you, I need you to give it a thumbs up right now. 
I need you to hit the like button right now. And I need you to talk back to me in the comments and tell me, because I read the comments myself to get feedback about whether or not I'm teaching good, okay? There's different seasons. Now, I'm going to give you some deep teaching. I got a little bit more. If you want me to continue to go on, just let me know, because I got a little bit more for you. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. That's what that word expedient means. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Listen, some of you are such control freaks. You don't want to be dominated by nobody or nothing. You don't want your boss to control you. You don't want your, your, your spouse to control you. You don't want your government to control you. But you let alcohol control you. Mm. You let wine and alcohol and beer and you can't do without it and you need it to calm your nerves. Come on, the devil is a liar. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 12 says, you have been freed by Jesus so that nothing can dominate you. Nothing can control you. Nothing can, can, can come, come on. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 12. God wants you to be free from all controlling, all domination. As a matter of fact, at the height of my alcoholism, I would lay down in my bed. Now, my wife left me because I couldn't get it under control. It was dominating me. She left with my child, with my, my newborn, Bella. This was over 14 years ago now. Imagine me like this. Many of you couldn't even imagine me like this. I would lay down in the bed all alone at night, and I would hear demonic voices calling out my name. I mean, it was that dark. Why do you think they call it spirits? Come on, alcohol opens up doors opens up portals. It begins, I'm telling you guys, when I got free from alcohol, I, I, everything else in my life changed. It was every other sin decreased dramatically. And matter of fact, I want to go very deep right now because this is going to help somebody. Look me in my eyes while I say this, for real. I want you to look at me because I love you enough to tell you the truth. There were so many other sins that I would have never committed in my sober mind. And I would wait until I was drunk to do them. This is the realest thing that I can say to many people watching right now. Every other sin that I committed, I committed it drunk. It was after I got drunk. Now, this is so real. This is so deep that it's, I'm even ashamed a little bit to even say this out loud, but I feel like somebody needs to hear this. I would literally wait until I was drunk because my conscience was so strong. I knew the word. I knew God's will. I knew God's way. I feel the power of God all over this. But I would have to get drunk because I knew I could never do it sober. I'm going to go one step more real. And I want you guys to look at me because I love you. I'm, I'm being Papa Sigs. I'm being Pastor Mike. I'm mentoring you right now. I never cheated on my wife sober. I always did it drunk. I'm telling you straight up. Now, this was over a decade ago. My wife and I have told our story at marriage conferences all around the U.S. We've broadcast it. But when I sinned, alcohol was the gateway. Alcohol was the portal. And that's why I'm not going to lie to you and say that the Bible only gives warnings 
I'm not going to lie to you and say, and say that the Bible only gives commands not to drink. There's another side represented in the Bible that talks about it positively. But I believe for many are called, but few are chosen. If you are a chosen one, act like it. If you are a chosen one, there are things that you will have to give up. And oftentimes the road to greatness is giving up what's good for what is great. That's the road to greatness. The Bible says there's nothing wrong with wine. Matter of fact, it's us that's the problem. We come from trauma. We come from abuse. We come from multi-generational curses. And so is wine evil? No, we are evil. We're full of woundedness. We're full of hurt and pain and rejection. And you pour wine into a wound? And it doesn't, it, come on, if you turn wine into wound, into an open wound, metaphorically, you know what it does? It, it, it creates an infestation of other sins. And the Lord wants you to get healed today of this stuff. And I, I just, man, this is deep. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray is not wise. So here's the thing. God is trying to give you wisdom. That's what this is about. It's about wisdom. It's about wisdom. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. It says you have, it it just talks about this over and over again. And I love you too much not to tell you the truth. Now, now listen, if I see you at dinner and you're having a glass of wine, am I going to judge you? No, because maybe for you, you're one of the one to 2% of people that, that can live Ecclesiastes 9, Psalms 104, Amos 9:14, and Isaiah 55, 1. Maybe you're one of those people that can do that. So I'm not going to judge you. That's why I gave you guys a big, long, full teaching. But if you're in the 98% like me, the Holy Spirit's probably already telling you it's time to let it go. The Holy Spirit's probably already telling you it's time to let it go. Alcohol has ruined, listen, alcohol has ruined your budget. You could have already saved enough money for your kid's college. Alcohol has ruined your budget. You probably already could have paid off your college loans. Alcohol has ruined your budget. You probably already could be having that Gucci purse you wanted. It's a, this is what it's done to you, Okay. And, and the thing is, it's like people will say, I can't believe they're asking for money on that broadcast, but you'll give multinational alcohol and drug corporations your money and not even think you'll hand over fist by everybody a drink at the bar, but then you'll be mad at a man of God for, for asking you to help support the ministry. That's how deceptive this thing is. So deceptive. Okay, so here's what I want to do as we come to a close for this teaching right now, because I feel the anointing and the power of God on this. I believe that all you've got to do is to make up your mind and say, I'm giving up something good for something greater because this is a thing. (laughs) When you read Acts chapter two, these common everyday men, they were not educated. They were not learned. They were not Ivy league educated. They didn't know hundred dollar words. They only knew $5 words. They, these men were filled with the Holy Spirit and it was like being filled with wine, with new wine. And I want to tell you this much, guys, because I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the whole story. 
There is a release of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come upon you and you will be drunk in the spirit. If you've never encountered what I'm talking about, read the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit would begin to fill believers. They would speak in new tongues. They would laugh. They would begin to speak with wisdom and, and profound uh, knowledge beyond their own education. And I'm here to tell you, God never removes without replacing. Somebody throw that in the comments right now. God never removes without replacing. He ain't trying to take anything away from you that he's not going to give you something better. And I'm telling you, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you need more preachers talking about the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, drop, drop in the comment section the fire emoji if you've ever experienced what I'm talking about. You will begin to speak in new tongues, the tongues of angels and the tongues of men that you never learned with your natural mind. You'll begin to laugh. You'll begin to shout. You'll begin to cry. There is a drunkenness in the Holy Ghost and he never takes anything away that he doesn't plan on giving you something better. And I'm telling you, I gave up being drunk off of I gave up being drunk off of Miller Lite and craft beer and, you know, you know, whiskey and come on, you know, come on, let's be real here. I gave up Jack Daniels so I can hang out with Jesus Christ. He'll never remove without replacing. Why don't you exchange Jack Daniels for Jesus Christ? Come on, why don't you exchange Jack Daniels for the Holy Ghost? Because I'm telling you, he will fill you with new wine. Being drunk in the Holy Spirit is so much better. You never wake up with hangover. You never wake up with regrets. Come on, get high with the most high. Come on, somebody, drop a comment. I know I'm being goofy right now. Get high with the most high. High with Jesus has no regrets. Matter of fact, when I, I feel the anointing, there's more, we need more preachers that believe in this. This is not a Pentecostal thing. This is a Bible thing. This is what the word says. Don't get wine, don't get drunk with wine like they do. Get drunk with the Holy Ghost. Get high with the most high. I dare you to try it. I dare I want to be that friend who says, "Come on and do it. Come on and do it. Just one hit, just one try of the Holy Ghost. Come on, try it. Ask him to fill you up. Ask him to pour out his spirit. He'll do it. Ask him. I'll tell you what, when I used to get drunk on wine and beer and alcohol, I woke up and my marriage was worse. But when I get drunk on the new wine of the Holy Spirit, I wake up and my marriage is better. When I got drunk I and, and, and I used to wake up with regrets. Now, I, come on, now I get drunk and I wake up and I'm hitting new levels. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit. Well, that concludes my teaching for today. Well, we are coming to the end of yet another incredible time together every Monday, every Wednesday and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am posting a new podcast so that you can be equipped and learn and grow. And you know, if you got this far, you may want additional mentorship and you may want to connect with me on a deeper level, which is why I have the Breakthrough Community. If you visit MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com, you can become a monthly 
financial partner for $27 a month or $297 for the entire year, you can come into the Breakthrough Community. We do monthly Zooms. Yes, monthly Zooms. It's wild. People from all over the world are there, including prophetic seminars and teachings that literally are banned on other platforms. All of it's waiting for you, including a private Facebook group with all of the other Breakthrough Community members. So again, go to MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com and become a monthly partner. I can't wait to see you there, and I will see you in the next podcast episode.